Have fun, guys. Well, hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning. I want to extend a warm-hearted welcome to each and every single one of you, whether you're a guest or a longtime attender or a member here, I welcome you. And if this is your first time visiting Covenant here, I'd encourage you to fill out a brown Connect card in the back. Uh, fill it out, put it in the little black basket over there, and we'll get connected with you right away. And I also want to extend a warm welcome to uh, everybody to attend the chili cook-off, which will go on after the service here, so you don't want to miss that. Well, hey, this morning we're going to be finishing up our series called Cornerstone, where we're we're looking at the church through the lens of Jesus Christ. And just to recap, we talked about how Christ is the cornerstone of the church that provides the foundation for every single thing that we do. And we talked about baptism and communion and how these things that we do as a church remind us of what Christ has done for us and help us to tell the gospel story again, again, and again. And last week, Ken talked about how a healthy church functions with Christ at the top. And this week, I'm going to close out with some reflections on on why it's important that we devote ourselves to a local church. And in particular, I want to answer a leftover question from our Ask series that we had in September. And the question is this, you know, what is church membership? Is it biblical? And if so, why is it so important When you hear of church membership, it may conjure up these images. No images at all, either images of you going through some sort of class or images of congregational meetings gone awry. And it may cause you to think about all the times where you see this idea of church membership being abused by people in leadership. For me, growing up in a Baptist church, membership meant that you were baptized and that when you turned 18, you could vote on real people stuff. I remember one of, the, one of the first votes I ever took as a fresh 18-year-old in my church was whether or not we wanted to send $5,000 to a missionary in Africa so they could buy their family a car. And I remember voting yes. And I found that oddly satisfying, that I could participate in something like this. And I also remember one of the other votes that I ever took was whether or not we wanted to, uh, to raise the support of a missionary by $10 a month. We also voted on removing certain people from membership because they started to worship at that local non-denominational church down the street. And I remember thinking, you know, as a pretty critical, hard-headed, you know, 18-year-old, what's the point of this whole church membership thing anyway? Is it so I get to vote on certain things and have some sort of authority in the church? Or is it something deeper than that? And so at this point in my life, I began to get very, very cynical about the idea of church membership. And it had the feel of a country club to me, when the church really should be operating like a family. So I began to do some research into this whole church membership thing with the intention of disproving the very idea of membership. Like I said, 18-year-olds know everything. And I had a lot going on in my favor, okay? Membership isn't even mentioned in the Bible. Boom, case closed. My sermon threw out the window. Also, isn't it enough that I know Jesus and I'm baptized? Why do I need to become a member of a club? But as I started to investigate this question of church membership, I began to see that it is both less important than sometimes we make it to be, but also more important than sometimes we make it to be as well. So this morning, what I want to do is reflect with you on what it means to be a member of a local church, 
because not only do I think it is important to the church in general, the church universal, it's important to our church right now. Before we get into this, will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll open our hearts and our minds and our eyes to the different things that you want us to learn and understand this morning. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you've been here the past few weeks, okay, if you've been here the past few weeks, you might notice that we're taking a whole Bible approach to understanding the church. And just to recap, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He relates to us the same way as he always does. He loves us, he cares for us, and he wants us to obey him and love him with all of our being. That's the same God you see in the Old Testament as you see in the New. He never changes. He's always the same. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, God has always chosen to put his love upon a people. In the Old Testament, it was the people of Israel. And in the New Testament, it is the church, people who have come to believe in Jesus for their entire being. And in the Old Testament, in order to be a part of the covenant community, you needed to place your trust and your hope in Yahweh and pledge yourself to follow all the laws that he put forth for you. And the purpose of following these certain laws and rules was to provide accountability and to draw you closer to God. And that's the core of what it meant to be a follower of God in the Old Testament. And keep in mind, too, there was no such thing as denominations back then, okay? If you were a Jew, you were a Jew wherever you went. Now, in the New Testament, to be part of the people of God is pretty similar, okay? It means you've come to believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that's what gets your foot in the door with the people of God. But God also demands that we show publicly that we belong to him and him alone through confessing his name before people and through being baptized. Now, just to be clear, baptism doesn't save you. It only shows that you're saved. You can be a Christian and never be baptized. But as I said a couple weeks ago, in the case of the New Testament, it's tough to make an argument that there should be a waiting period between the time that you're saved and the time that you're baptized. So I would argue that to be a part of a local church means that you've confessed your faith in Jesus and you've publicly declared that you are going to follow him all the days of your life in the context of the Christian community and you're baptized as well. So all throughout the Bible, you see this idea that there's spiritual transformation that goes on inside of you when you come to know God. But the question becomes... When you're a part of this covenant community, when you've been baptized, what happens next? And that's where the question of membership comes into play. You believe in Jesus, you've been baptized, but what's the next step? It's becoming part of the local church. And what does it mean to become part of a local church? Does it mean that you've gained access to this exclusive club? Not really. What it means is that when you become a part of a local church, when you're a member, you're submitting yourself to the guidelines and the principles of the local church. You're committing to engage in the rhythms and be part of its mission. And that sounds great and all, but what does the Bible actually say about membership? Honestly, like I said, there's very little in the New Testament that even talks about church membership, at least explicitly, okay? But there's a lot that we can imply. All right, in Acts 2.42, you'll see that the people of God came to know Jesus. They were baptized, and they started joining together with fellow believers for the purpose of prayer and fellowship and devoting themselves to teaching the breaking of bread. 
If you came to know Jesus and you were baptized, you were granted access into the church and you could participate in all the church's activities. So the early church understood that baptism was the primary prerequisite, say that 10 times over and over again, to major church involvement. But as you look throughout the New Testament, you start to see other hints about church membership uh, all throughout it, and sometimes they may go unnoticed. For instance, if you look through the book of Acts, you'll see a host of phrases that allude to this idea of church membership. 6-5, the whole congregation. Um, 8-1, the church in Jerusalem. 9-26, the disciples in Jerusalem. 14-23, in every church. Chapter 15, the whole church. Chapter 20, the elders of the church in Ephesus. So you can tell that even in the early church, there was this idea that the people of God needed to somehow be organized. Because when organizations grow, you have to organize them somehow, right? And that's what you see all throughout the New Testament. That's the pattern. New local churches get started. The apostles leave to go start new churches and then check in on them to see how they're doing. And if you look at some places in the New Testament, you see little hints that there was a membership roster or role. When you uh, see Paul addressing specific churches in geographical locations, he does so with specificity. Take Philippians, for instance. Paul calls out certain people in the Philippian church specifically, Udaya, Syntyche, etc. Now, how could he have known this unless the church kept track of her members? There needed to be some sort of way to, uh, to tell who was in the family and who was outside the family. Moreover, in Paul's epistles, you see him recommending certain people for a church transfer. In Romans 16.1, he tells the Romans that he commends Phoebe to them and that they should welcome her just as they have welcomed him. And in Colossians 4, he tells the Colossians to welcome Barnabas' cousin Mark when he comes. So when you left one geographical location and went to another place, you needed to find a good body to worship with. But before you did that, you needed to leave your other church in good standing. So some of the arguments for church membership in in the local church are very broad, and they require you to use your imagination just a little bit. But the main point that I want to get across here this morning is that the primary purpose of church membership, of belonging to a local church, is accountability. And when I say accountability, I mean that as a Christian, there are certain things that you are expected to do, and it helps you to do those things when you're around like-minded people. So church membership really means more of a formalized sense of accountability to people who can help you and guide you into the fullness of the Christian life. I know when people say accountability, various things go through your mind, but it's pretty simple, and its aim is very clear. It's to help you stay on track in the Christian life. So the first kind of accountability that church membership provides is theological accountability. And when I say theological, some of you are thinking, well, that's a big word. I don't use that word ever. But but what it really means is that belonging to a local church helps you understand good theology or what God's Word teaches about certain things in your life. Not only that, church membership helps you stay focused on the gospel and helps you not let false ideas about who God is creep into your life and cause you to be led astray. Now, like I said, some of you are thinking in your head, well, You know, theology isn't really, really important. I believe in Jesus. I'm saved. I've been baptized. That's all good, right? 
But as Christians, we should be learning theology more and more as we mature in Christ. Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The gospel isn't the first step in the staircase of the Christian life. All right, the gospel is the whole entire staircase. And as you learn more and more about God's word and the gospels, you, in the gospel, you come to understand who God is, how much he loves you, and how majestic of a king that we serve. If you don't have the right theology, or if you don't care about theology, you're not living the Christian life well. Now, I'm not saying that you have to go through all of Calvin's institutes or learn Greek so you can read the New Testament in its original language. What I'm saying is that as a Christian, you should be learning more about the gospel every single day because the more you learn about the gospel, the more likely you are to live a life that testifies to the gospel. And when I say gospel, I simply mean this. It's the good news that God has made a way for us to be reconciled back to him through Jesus Christ, and that all the brokenness that we see today will someday, someday be made beautiful once again because of all that Christ has done. That's the gospel, plain and simple. It also means that the one hope that this world has for any sort of healing is Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul believed in this truth so firmly, okay? Listen to what he says here in Galatians. He says, I'm astonished, Galatians, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the word we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And as we have already said, so now I'll say it again. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. So Paul's saying, look, I'm blown away by the fact that you're abandoning the gospel for a different gospel. And he says that there are some people who are trying to confuse you and teach you something different other than the true gospel. What he does say is that if either me or an angel under heaven preaches a different gospel, let them be cursed. That's not any curse, okay? That word that Paul uses is anathema, which means let them rot in hell, okay? The Bible uses some pretty strong language, okay? Sometimes. You see, for Paul, to know the gospel is paramount to anything else that you do as a Christian because if you don't have the gospel, you don't have ground to stand on. When you become a part of a local church, you're surrounded by people who will help you hold fast to the gospel. You're challenged on a regular basis by your fellow members of the body of Christ to reject the different challenges in our culture there are to the gospel and live a life that testifies of how God has changed you from the inside out. And when you become a member of Covenant Church, you're expected to adhere to our statement of faith, which teaches some very clear things. The inerrancy of Scripture— the triune nature of the Godhead, the work of God in your salvation, and the deity of Jesus Christ, among other things. Now, if you were to stray from one or more of these important points, chances are down the road, not only will your theology be in jeopardy, but also will your relationship with God. Because once you start to peel away the layers of the gospel, you're going to end up at some point not believing in the God of Scripture, And once you do that, 
you're going to lose your faith entirely. So being a part of a local church is important because it helps you be accountable to what the Bible teaches. The second form of accountability that church membership provides is governmental accountability. And this kind of sounds heavy-handed in a way, but it's really not, all right? When you become part of a local church, you're placing yourself under the authority of others, namely the elders of the church or the pastor of the church. And the kind of authority that goes on in Scripture is authority based on care. And it's a two-way relationship, okay? Everyone needs to honor and submit to the elders. But the elders have to submit themselves to serving the needs of the body. Just consider what the New Testament teaches here, okay? Hebrews thirteen seventeen: Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will give an account. 1 Thessalonians 5. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Finally, in 1 Timothy 5, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So there's this sense of respect and honor toward those in leadership that we need to have when we become a part of a local church. This doesn't mean that the church leaders have some kind of authority that cannot be questioned. It just means that there needs to be respect for those who spend their time overseeing the local church. But this goes both ways as well. Check out what Paul says here in Acts 20. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves. He's talking to the elders at the, uh, the church in Ephesus. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. It's a two-way relationship. People need to submit to their leaders in the local church, but the leaders also need to submit to their people in a certain way. And what this does is it provides the body with a sense of protection and care. And when you become part of a local church, you're placing yourself under the care of leaders who will shepherd over your souls and care for you. If you're not a part of a local church, you don't get that privilege because you're missing out on something very rich. The fact that you have people who care about your soul and are taking responsibility for your soul and will someday have to give an account of how well they cared for you. I remember when I was growing up, you know, I wasn't the worst kid. But I wasn't really the best kid, all right? And in fact, I got in trouble quite a bit. You can ask me later about all that. And at the beginning of my seventh grade year, my vice principal told me that he was going to take me under his wing because he thought that I had leadership potential. And being the diamond in the rough that I was, I ended up hanging with the round crowd quite a bit. And I ended up in the principal's office, all right? Now, this principal was scary, all right? Super scary, all right? And when you got called to the principal's office, you knew that you would be in for a tongue lashing of the highest measure and detention for at least a week. Now, after I had left the principal's office, just dreading my consequences, the vice principal went in after me and he talked to the principal. And as I waited in there in the office, just anxious and nervous, the 13-year-old I was or whatever, the vice principal came out of this principal's office and he said, Ben, you're free to go. Just don't hang out with those kids anymore. And as I left, I felt relieved and I felt special. 
so special that this vice principal would protect me and care for me in the way that he did. That's because of him, I began to start to take school seriously and take on more leadership throughout my life. What my vice principal did for me was what the leaders of the church of the body do for us. They love, they care, they protect. And sometimes that may mean church discipline in some cases. And when you join a local church such as Covenant, the elders are saying that they will care for you and be present with you throughout your life. The final form of accountability that church membership provides is spiritual accountability. Being a part of a local church challenges you in your walk with God in a way that not being a part of a local church wouldn't. And part of this is because is if you're not part of a local church, you're not placing yourself under the authority of people to help you in your walk with God. So say, for instance, that the church was like a sports team, and this team practiced every single day, every single week. And say you come along, and you're a casual observer who comes and hangs out with the team and even practices a little bit with the team just for kicks, all right? The coach of the team isn't going to challenge you as hard as he would the regular members of the team who have to play on game day because you're not on the team. And as a result, you're not going to be in the kind of physical or mental shape as the rest of the team is. And it's the same kind of way of, uh, as being a member of a local church. You're not held to the same standard as Christians who do belong to the local church. And because of this, chances are you're not growing in your faith as much as you could be if you were a part of a local church. Not only this, being a part of a local church like Covenant helps you discover the giftings that God has given you and how you can best serve the body of Christ with those gifts. Check out what Paul says in 1 Corinthians. It's a bit of a longer passage. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body— that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts and yet one body. Being in the rhythms of a local church community means that you're going to find out what God has gifted you to do. Because when you're a member of the local church, that affords you certain privileges of leadership so that you can flourish in your gifting. I've got a newsflash for each and every one of you here who believes in Jesus, all right? God has given you a gift and you matter, okay? Some of you may not think that you're special or that you don't really matter, Well, A, you do matter to God, and B, he has given you a gift that you can use to bless the body. When you become a Christian but refuse to be a part of the local church, you're essentially saying that you don't want to find your place in the body or serve the body with your gifting. You're being selfish. And Paul goes on to say this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So when you're a member of the local church, you hurt or you rejoice with your fellow brothers or sisters in Christ. 
And honestly, when it comes down to it, to be a Christian means that you're following Christ in the context of a solid local community that preaches the gospel. There's a reason Paul writes his letters to pastors of churches or the churches themselves. He never writes to individual lay people because the early church would have understood the truth that being a Christian meant being one in community. And there's a reason the early church met together for fellowship and of breaking of bread and in prayer because there's a sense of spiritual accountability that comes with belonging to a local church. And when you join the local church, you're saying that I'm going to be accountable to this body. I'm going to follow Jesus with these brothers and sisters. And I'm going to walk through life with this particular group of believers because they're going to keep me accountable in my walk with Christ. Now, when you look through the New Testament, you don't see like individual people. You see local churches. That's because to be in Christ means to be in the church. There was no concept of Lone Ranger Christianity in the early church. To be in Christ meant to be a part of his body. If you're a foot without a body, that's weird and that's creepy. It's not right. You can only function when you commit to being with the local church and being on mission together. If you're a hand without a body, that's like Adam's family crazy or something. It's creepy. It's unheard of. You can only function when you're helping the church do stuff with your hands. And if you're a mouth, you can only function well when you're speaking the good news of Jesus Christ wherever you go. Each and every Christian has a place in the local body. And being a member of a local church helps you find that place so that you can flourish in your walk with Christ and you can bless other members of the body of Christ with the gift that he has given you. And ultimately, being a part of a local church helps us to know Jesus and make him known. It's our mission statement. It's behind every single thing that we do here. Maybe you're listening to my sermon and you're like, well, Ben, that's good stuff, but do I really have to sign a piece of paper saying that I want to become part of the club? Well, the church isn't some sort of social club. It's the body of Christ. It's a family. And our purpose as the body of Christ is to grow closer to God and to spread the good news of his love to every single person that we know. And through theological, governmental, and spiritual accountability, we become a people known for loving Jesus through our words and through our deeds. You know, honestly, here at Covenant, we haven't really had a formal membership process for a long time. But we recognize how important it is because as a church, we need to make decisions on how we operate, just like any other organization. And as Ken mentioned last week, we're currently reworking our Constitution so that we can have a more robust understanding of what it means to be a member of the local church and give each and every member of Covenant Church a voice in how we run things. So while church membership may allow people here to vote on certain matters at Covenant, it's so much more than that. It's being a part of this body in a formal way provides you accountability in how you live your life as a Christian. Let me put it to you this way. Becoming a Christian and refusing to become a part of the local church has drastic consequences for your Christian life because Christians who want to go it alone are targets for the enemy. Even monks live in community. Even nuns live in convents with other nuns. 
Because to be a Christian means to be so in community. And to be in a Christian community means that you're committing yourself to live on mission with people who love Jesus just as much as you. And as this series comes to a close, we need to remember this pivotal truth here, that Jesus loves the church. Before the foundation of the world, God decided to set his love upon us. And before the foundation of the world, he set a plan in motion that would result in the Father sending the Son to die for the sins of the world. And Jesus has become the cornerstone of the church. And he gives us sacraments of baptism and communion to remind us of all that he's done for us and all that he continues to do for us. And he rules the church with a gracious hand and he challenges us day in and day out to live life in the context of a local church community with other people who want to know him and make him known. Jesus loves the church and so should you. Never forget that. And the fact that Jesus loves the church is what we celebrate when we take communion. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. And by taking this bread and dipping it into this cup right here, we're proclaiming all that Jesus has done for us, all that he's doing for us, and all that he will do for us. So as we take communion, take a moment to remember how much Jesus loves you and how much he challenges you in the context of local church community to take up our own crosses and follow him every single day as a member of his body. Will you stand with me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this gift of the local church. I thank you that you've given us brothers and sisters that we can go through this life with, Lord. I thank you for this body here, Covenant Church. I pray that you'll help us to be a body who just seeks to know you and make you known everywhere we go, Lord. We thank you for all the stuff that you have done for us and all that you will do for us, Lord. Help us to proclaim your name every single day that we live so that more and more people can be wrapped up in this thing that you love called the church. Bless us as we take communion, Lord, as we remember what you've done for us. Help us to live on mission for you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.